All right. so used to teaching with these things that I just keep it on all the time, even when I'm talking uh, to big crowds. So, uh, yeah, so I'm going to share just a little bit about uh, resurrection power um, and, and how uh, I saw it and, and kind of, this is one of my favorite passages uh, to, to kind of read and remind myself of really the power of Christ. So uh, I'm going to read out of Ephesians 2, uh, and it's going to be verse 1 through 10. Once you were made dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God, and all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, That even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us. As shown in all he has done for us who are united in Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, uh, so none of us can boast of it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Now, that's a a relatively longer passage, uh, but I I think it speaks truly of of kind of the path that we all follow. Um, And we can find ourselves in kind of one of three places uh, along that. we, we're all dead in our sins. Uh, from the moment we were born, uh, we're, we're dead in our sins. Um, and we deserve kind of what we're going through. Now, recently, if you've been in, in church, we've been talking through Revelation. And uh, kind of the, the evil that is going to come or is in our world, but it's going to come to fruition. And there's going to be this, this battle that's coming. But right now, we're living here. We're living now. Um, and it doesn't take much to look into some of uh, the world and see that evil has a grasp on lots of stuff. Um, And it may be our lives. It may be in the lives of someone we love and care for deeply. Um, But there's evil abound. Um, And uh, so, yet God commands perfection from us. To live eternally with him, he, he commands that we be perfect so that we can enjoy that eternity. Um, and as a believer, that can sometimes be disconcerting. So when I read passages like this, and, uh, and I go, okay, we're, we're getting there, we come to the second part of where God has made a way. Uh, and then that's what we get to celebrate today. Um, there's, there's, really, there's two big holidays, Christmas and, and Easter, in the, in the Christian faith, and both are gifts. God coming into the world at Christmas, and God providing a way uh, through His Son that we can be with Him forever. But praise be to God that we don't have to live disconcerting, that there is a way. Um, In verse 5, it says that even while we were sinning, God sent his son into the world. Before I was born, God was sent in the world, Jesus, and he died. Before I was even thought of um, by anybody. 
God looked at me, said, that kid's going to sin, that man's going to sin, and I still love him, and I'm going to die for him. And that, that just, that's powerful. Um, that I'm still going to sin. I'm still going to mess up. And God looks at, me, looks at me and goes, yeah, I love you that much. Through Christ's death, later on through the verse, we still, we not only are, are remade into a, a new human and uh, we get to enjoy a, a new earth, but we're exalted. Uh, it says later that uh, we get to enjoy Christ's heavenly realm, that there is a seat for us saved, set apart, that we can enjoy that later on. So God didn't just come in and die and resurrect so that we can be reborn into this body that, that's going to make more mistakes. But no, we get to enjoy eternity with him. Finally, in verse 10, it says, You are a masterpiece. And you were a masterpiece all along. But it takes the little acceptance of God's gift to use that masterpiece for his glory. So really my question is, is what I'm going to end on is, um, you're a masterpiece. Are you going to let God use you in the way he sees fit so that you can be one big masterpiece for all of us to enjoy? Thanks. Let's pick up right there with the masterpiece. Fantastic. Thanks, Robert. That was great. Oh, you must be significantly taller than I am. Okay, let's try that. Okay. Too low. Oh, you've been messing with me, though. Thanks for letting me speak today. This is such an honor. Um, so I would like to talk about um, the everyday, right? Um, today is a celebration of the risen king. But I want to talk about how it operates in our everyday life. And the Lord reminded me um, last week that that's how we're meant to operate, with that resurrection power in us every day. And so that's what I'd like to just share a quick little story um, about how the Lord does that in our lives, right? Um, so Jesus' death and his burial and his resurrection was part of the redemption plan from the very beginning. Um, what... Adam gave to Satan in disobedience in the garden, it was Jesus reclaiming it on the cross, and his resurrection is what allows that blessing to be provided and available to all of us every day. <clears throat> Jesus triumphed, absolute total victory, devastation of Satan, left hell in shambles, defeated all principalities, all darkness, all mortal flesh, he defeated it and triumphed. And sometimes I forget about that in my day-to-day. -day. You know, it's, it's my history or my shame or the sin I'm struggling with, and I feel like I'm con I, I just keep fighting, right? But he took away that past, and he, he, he set forward the blessings for today and what's to come in the future. So we're in the book of Colossians chapter 2. I'd just like to share a verse there about his triumph. So Colossians chapter 2 verse 15 says, Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. He triumphed over the, um, over the devil 
he, act, he absolutely sealed the defeat, right? And now we need to, like, trust and live in that finished work and the work of that resurrection power. So last Thursday, um, it was one of those days where we get so busy, and I came from work, and I dropped the kids off at their athletics, and now I'm racing to HPM to pick up, like, eight sheets of 20-foot metal corrugated roof, and I'm going home, it's 4.30, and I'm going to roll it with paint before the sun sets to get on the ground to get ready for Ryan Hooley coming over Friday morning to go ahead and put all the roofing in. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to get this done, and I'm, like, frustrated, and I'm stressed, and all day I've been, live, like, I've been lifting all of that busyness and work up by myself. And I hadn't been considering the Lord, and I hadn't said, Lord, like, what are the blessings that you have in all these little projects with me? And so I started to roll, thinking, oh, I'm, I'm, I see the sun's setting right there, and I'm going to race the sun, and I'm going to roll all this roofing. And as I start, I'm like, oh, this is hard work. And I get really discouraged right away, and I'm like, oh, this is not going to get done tonight. And now I'm like, wow, well, how could I be in this situation? I'm not going to be right for Ryan. So anyway, what the Lord does is I'm rolling with a huge stick, right? He breaks my distance. He breaks this whole system I had. He broke the stick and brought me to my knees. And now I'm on my hands and knees rolling with one of those corrugated foam rollers on my hands and knees like, what in the world, Lord? And you know what he did? He said, now consider me for the next two hours and let's just hang out. And we hung out for the next two hours and I was able to experience his resurrection power. So when he broke that stick and brought me to my knees and asked me to consider him, now what started to happen is I was like, you did this with purpose. And I started to faithfully believe that what he was doing was meant to be. And now I had a chance to just be with him and not anywhere else. It was the first time all day that my busyness had just set aside. And the Lord's like, now I have you where I want you. And we spent the next hour and a half together in faithful words, believing, and then speaking, right? And I felt like I was a little kid on Sunday school. I was going through all of the old stories of the Bible, and he was taking me back through his word, and I was just being refreshed. And all of a sudden, it started to activate that resurrection power that was in me, and it's in each and every one of us. It doesn't reside in heaven. It lives in us. And all of a sudden, I was believing, and I was being refreshed. And now, all of a sudden, I wanted to stay there. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. Every five minutes, I was sore. Every five minutes, I started doubting the project, and it started taking me away. And all of a sudden, Satan shows up, and he's like, let me remind you of your past and how much shame you have. So then we had to act on it. I had to be like, no, I'm going to enforce the love of the Lord right now. Christ right back with me. And I had to recommit, right? I had to act again and again, over and over. It's like what we got to do with our every day when we wake up. We have to recommit to the resurrection power and like plead the blood of Christ over all of our situations and over all of our day. Because when he did that, the blessings he unfolded to me on top of that corrugated roof at sunset was things like peace and joy and companionship, he, he, he revealed my sins, and he showed me a way through it. And it was, it was such a friendship, and I want that for all of us. And we just have to remember that it's in us already. 
We just got to consider Christ Jesus and say, Lord, I want you in me right now. Like, take control of this situation. Man, it was great. So, um, Romans 8 confirms this, right? And it says, Romans 8, 11, it says, If the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he will make alive your mortal flesh. And he's ready to do it every day, all day, in all situations. Thanks for letting me share, guys. God bless you. Yeah. Nice. Thanks, guys. Um, yeah, good word, both of you. Awesome. So I'm going to uh, be reading this morning from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And Easter is one of those, uh, Robert mentioned, Christmas and Easter, right? Those are the biggies. Growing up, it's the only time my family and I went to church. <laughs> you know, uh, it was Christmas and Easter. And I think for a lot of people, uh, and even us who are in the church, it can kind of just become tradition in a lot of ways, right? And, and or sometimes we maybe see them as separate events, like Jesus arriving in Bethlehem. Hey, that's great. And then the resurrection. Yeah, that's great too. We love that. But the importance of the resurrection, that it is key in our faith. Uh, and I love coming back to that truth and really considering just like the guy shared and, and you know, how the, the Lord is working in our lives right now. But there's something very intentional that we need to do where we come back to the truth and the power of the Lord's resurrection. Where we put off the cares and concerns and all the things, and even the things of tradition maybe, and, and just go, Lord, help me to understand the importance of your resurrection. Again, the, his arrival in Bethlehem, of course, was a fulfillment of promise. That he had told mankind that he was coming, that he had told Israel through the prophets that the Messiah was on the way. And so, yes, absolutely, his, his arrival was important. But, you know, in the world's eyes, of course, every great person that has something to talk about or teach, were, they were all born, right? And so his birth alone is, is maybe not significant in, in their eyes. But only one conquered death. So no, excuse me, no matter what else those other people taught or how sincere they were or what things they tried to share with people, they died and we know where all of them are buried. Jesus' tomb is empty. And he is alive. His birth was a fulfillment of promise, but his res resurrection is the proof of his power. First Corinthians 15, starting in verse 12, says, Now if Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ, whom He did not raise up, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. 
And if Christ is not risen, then your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also you have those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most pitiable. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. You know, in Paul's day is the same as today. There are these pseudo-intellectuals that love to talk about things. You know, well, Jesus was a good person. Jesus was a good teacher. And, and he taught things that are important, and we should consider those things. And in Jesus' day, those are groups like the Sadducees, right? And so they would say, well, we're just, we just want to take in the things that will teach us how to live well today. But whether or not Jesus actually rose from the dead, that's not really all that important. And Paul's dealing with that here in 1 Corinthians, saying it is all important. Because that idea of that Jesus is just a good teacher is, of course, bringing him down from the level of God Almighty, eternal and holy, to being lumped in with any other teacher that came along. And Paul says that it's so vitally important that we know that the resurrection is the key to our faith. See, Jesus claimed things that nobody else claimed. He claimed to be God. He claimed to be the only way to heaven. And so if he just had those claims and did a few miracles and taught nice things and died, yeah, he would be lumped together with everybody else. Maybe the things you'd say would be more important, but there'd be no proof that he was telling the truth. And that's what the resurrection is. That to the claims that he made, that he was above death itself, that he would conquer hell and sin and redeem all mankind, the proof is at the resurrection. The work was done at the cross, but the proof that it was acceptable was all done on the day that he rose. Again, those pseudo-intellectuals try and lump Jesus together. And really by doing that, they simply just make him a social justice warrior of his day. Jesus' purpose was clear. It wasn't to make bad people good. It was to save sinners. It was to seek and save that which was lost. That's us. Not to put a fresh coat of paint on the broken down people that we are, but to resurrect the, from the dead himself and bring us to a new life through resurrection. And to make the way not only just in this life, but for all eternity. Resurrection is the proof of his power. It separates him from all teachers, all prophets, all so-called wise men of throughout human history. And people again would say, well, you know, those stories of Jesus' resurrection, it was just it was the disciples making it up, wanting to keep the, the club going. <laughs> Not at all. They were risking their very lives. In fact, most of them would lose their lives rather than deny that Jesus had risen from the dead. Now, just before the section I read there in 1 Corinthians, Back in verse 6, Paul addresses that, and he says that over 500 people witnessed Jesus after he had risen from the dead. That's a lot of people. 
And again, making it clear that it is no small thing. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is foundational to all we believe. And he connects our hope of heaven to the absolute truth of the resurrection. Saying in verse 13, if there's no resurrection from the dead, then Christ isn't risen either. In other words, he's just, he's just another person. And then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is empty. And all those who have died with the hope of heaven, they are wrong, and they're all dead and lost forever if Christ has not risen from the dead. And then he says this, and to me, I, I just love how he puts it, that if all we have in this life is hope of heaven that isn't true, we are the most pitiable people in human history. We are joking ourselves, and we are a joke to everyone else. And then he says, but Christ is risen. <laughs> so he draws this black canvas, this black background to go, if Jesus hasn't risen from the dead, here's how horrible that is. Here's all that that would mean. The good news is, he is risen. And then none of that black background is true. And all of the hope of heaven belongs to us. That Jesus Christ did not come to just create another empty religion, but to give us life and life eternal. The resurrection is either the greatest lie ever told or the greatest truth ever revealed. And Paul's point here, and what we need to be continually reminded of, it is the greatest truth ever revealed. It is not just great claims of a person. It is the proof that all of his claims are true. For now, Christ is risen. The empty tomb changes everything. And for us, we can have full assurance that he has made the way for us to be saved and for us to have eternal life with him. And, and this is an interesting time, you know, because we have Good Friday, which is a Good Friday for us, but it was the worst day in, in all of human history. But we go from there knowing that the, the resurrection is next. And for us, that's a convenience. That's something, you know, that we, we're at this side of the story. So we go, okay, well, yeah, Good Friday, that was horrible, that was rough. But we know that Easter's coming. We know that Sunday's coming. But for the disciples, I also always try and put myself in their place. Because that, that Friday, they didn't know what was next. In fact, they believed that all things had come to an end. That it was... The hope that they had had completely fallen apart. And looking at all four Gospels, there's a couple of things that stand out to me about that time for the disciples. First of all, that when Sunday arrived, nobody was looking for Jesus to be alive. Not the disciples. Even the women that came to the tomb that morning were not arriving to see if Jesus had resurrected. They were arriving to finalize his burial. The other thing that I love is that in spite of that, when Jesus shows up, he meets each and every person right where they're at. In their brokenness, in their doubt, in their lack of faith, he meets them in the room, he meets them at the tomb, he meets them on the road to Emmaus, he meets Peter at the, at the seashore, and Thomas in his doubt, and all of these things, he meets them right 
where they're at and delivers the proof that he was telling the truth all along and that he has made a way where no one had a way before. And again, the good news for us is that he still meets us right where we're at. It's been a rough year. If you guys didn't know that, it's been a rough year. And we were thinking about last Easter, this place was empty, and we were talking into an iPhone. That was our Easter service last year, right? And there's been a lot of other things, stress and craziness and all of those things. And it's so good for us to remember, no matter what kind of year we've had or where our faith has gone, whether it's been low or whether we've been tried and difficulties we've faced, he still wants to meet us right where we're at. He still wants to bring the proof of his power to us every time. And maybe that isn't some huge major event. Maybe it's the daily grind of just this last year, family and life and work and all those things. And it can start to feel like we're at, at Friday. We're worn down. Things aren't going the way we thought. Hopes we had seem to just be falling apart. Because of what Jesus has done, because of his victory over death, we can be sure that Sunday's coming. Man, heaven is ahead of us. The resurrection to eternal life is ahead of us. He has provided perfect forgiveness to all of our sin and made a way where there was none. He has paid our price. And the, again, the resurrection shows us that that price was accepted and complete and there is nothing that we can possibly add to it in any way. It is ours just to simply receive as a gift And if we belong to Him, and we can know these things for sure. And if we don't belong to Him, if you're here today and you're like, I don't really know where I stand with Jesus. Man, today could be your day. Man, Easter could be the day where you're like, that's when I gave Jesus full control of my life. And so rather than doing like an altar call or even have you raise your hands, if you're here today and you don't know where you stand with Jesus, and I ask just afterwards, just come up and talk to me. Let's just have a conversation. And I want you to know for sure that you have, can have absolute security in your salvation in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. 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 So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we again are so grateful and so overwhelmed at your amazing love for us. That you would not only face the cross and the punishment of the sin of all mankind to pay our price, but then overcome death itself to prove your power and then meet us right where we are in our lives. In our doubt, in our fear, in our failure, you meet us where we are. And Lord, we love you. We thank you for loving us so much. And we just, again, give you ourselves individually and as a church, have your way in us. Shine your love through us to the people in our lives and in this world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.